Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhaj of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, today I have a colleague, Kendall and I, I think met about, was it about two years ago, Kendall? I about think in, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we uh, work with uh, the same uh, coach who's a phenomenal coach. Her name is uh, Jane Atkinson. And uh, she had one of her retreats and that's where for the first time I met Kendall, who is Canadian and I'm Canadian. And we were um, in... Uh, Cape Coral, which was a, n- a nice place to be. So Kendall is, um, I'm going to say an amazing young man. And I, I actually had the privilege of meeting his sister, who I understand now speaks, which I did not right. know that, Kendall. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so just recently in London at the um, Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. So Kendall um, speaks on something that's really dear to my heart um, and my background um, in mental well-being and uh, beating the odds. And he speaks about resilience. So this is an amazing young man who has done fantastic things, started a business quite a long time ago, initially um, uh, with uh, retail, and then has gone on to become um, just recently won an award uh, for the 40 under 40, which are leaders and entrepreneurs um, in Canada. And I'm going to have uh, Kendall tell us a little bit more about anything that I've missed there, Kendall. So you, you, Tell me what I've missed that uh, people should know about you. Uh, well, primarily I speak now. I do a lot of keynotes across the country, primarily in Canada, from the west to the east coast, on just what you said, resilience in leadership in the workplace. And it's been keeping me busier for the last three years. Uh, you know, I, I really went full-time into it almost uh, three years ago. Um, I went from the starting my own apparel company, selling hoodies, T-shirts, out of my own branded products, uh, having my own stores, and then being a hamster in this wheel for so long and just trying to manage all these stores. So, and, you know, I had over a hundred staff over the, the term of that, of that run with all of our stores and learning a lot of things about different people and, and customers and how to deal with them and how to, to keep people cu- coming back again and again. And I transferred that into my keynotes and all the research that I've done up into that point. And we've been able to help a lot of people, organizations across this country to date. Um, I published my own book, Driven to Succeed, on basically my own resilient story of what we've overcome as uh, as children with myself. My sister's in the book as well with her story. And uh, we're, just, we're just here to try to, you know, make the people's lives, their business lives, their, 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 their relationships better. And if I can do my, my part in, in sharing what I know in my story, my journey, and help ignite something within someone else, I think we've done our job today. So... I had the privilege of hearing you tell your story uh, in Florida. And I would love for you to share a bit of that um, because I think it's a phenomenal story about how people can make a difference um, yeah. in, in some, sometimes your story, I remember being yeah. quite touched by it. So share a little bit of that so that people yeah. understand kind of the context of, of um, where Absolutely. you come from. Yeah, so, so first and foremost, my name, I'm from a First Nation called Sweetgrass First Nation in Saskatchewan. And 
Um, I was raised there, single parented by my mom ever since I was about five years old when we, my mother and my father split up. And from right after they split up, we were living in uh, women's shelters for, for several weeks and basically homeless shelters for single mothers with their children. Mm-hmm. And we were bounced around these shelters for uh, several weeks and eventually made our way back to my mother's home reserve, which was Sweetgrass, or my, my grandma, we call her Kukum in our language. So we lived with our Kukum and she took us into her home and we lived there for, for several months. And then we finally got a little house on the reserve, a two bedroom house. Uh, five of us, my, I'm the oldest in my family. Then there's Kendra, Farah, and Marisha, my mom. And so we all lived in that house up until I graduated high school. During that time, we, um, we had a lot of struggles that I thought were just normal because I was a kid just growing up in this, you know, this lifestyle that I didn't realize where we were going through so much because I was a kid. My mom did a really good job of, of taking on that burden, I guess we'll say, and not letting it affect the kids. And, by her doing that, she was able to, to sacrifice a lot for us so we can, you know, have a chance to succeed today. And I'm, to me, I, I like to say that I'm, I'm a product of her sacrifice for, for a lot of us. And so is Kendra. She's able, you know, we're able to speak now because of it. We're able, I was able to graduate university to, uh, to, be, to start businesses, you know, the top 40, all the stuff was because of um, we had someone back home that we can rely on. So in grade five, I was going to a little farming community, getting bussed there every day. And I had a best friend. His name was Johan. And Johan was a kid from South Africa. And we just happened to be going to the same school at the same time. His dad was a doctor at the local clinic. And we happened to be both like soccer. So one day he asked me why I wasn't playing soccer after school. And right when I was going to jump on my bus to go back home, I had to explain to Johan that that bus that just pulled up was my only ride to and from my reserve, my community. And we were living on welfare. We we're living on social assistance. And I used to, I used to see my mother budget that, so that welfare check to the right down to the, the dollar. Wow. So I was watching her on a table and she would be budgeting all this stuff. And she had, she was able to develop her own shorthand writing. So I couldn't really understand half of it. <laughs> so she was very, my mom is a very smart person, but she'll never admit it. <laughs> and so I used to watch her do all this. And then um, I told Johan, I opened up to my best friend. I said, you know what, Johan, aside from that, we're also collecting cans and bottles we're, we're exchanging them to the recycling plan for change. Um, I, I have a bike I like to ride. I only get that for two weeks of the month because the other two weeks it goes into the pawn shop. Um, I told him about, you know, some of the houses we have mold in our basement, in our houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our houses that weren't built to standard. They're just kind of built just enough to live in. Um, every week there's a water advisory, so we can't drink our water every week. And I still, t- mm-hmm. I, I just did some filming two days ago in, in our reserve. I went back with the film crew wow. um, with, with, with video narrative. I don't know if you know video narrative. Uh, yes, yes, Chris West. I so, yes. So I hired them to come and do a video for me. And uh, he brought one of his guys, uh, Brian from Portland. He flew into Saskatoon. We drove two hours away wow. to my reserve and we went there. And what, what is the th- first thing that we see on the, the community center door? Do not drink the water. This is a boil boil water yeah. advisory. So the stuff that we 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 are dealing with is um, was normal to me, I guess. So I told my buddy Johan and him and his family. They they took it upon themselves to kind of help me out. They they paid for my soccer fee. They drove mm-hmm. me to games and practices. We became best friends for two years. I was at his house almost every single weekend. His dad became my role model. He used to, he used to compliment me all the time, uplift mm-hmm. me when I couldn't do that myself. And my, me and my, my own dad, we had a very um, 
I didn't see him a lot. So I never had that. I, was, I wasn't able to bond with him like that, where he was able to tell me things where I could really, uh, how can I say that? Where I can really truly appreciate the words that were coming out of his mouth and I can absorb them. So if he, mm. like, he never really said, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm proud of you, son. I know I'm happy that you do. He, was, he wasn't like that. But that was how he, that's all he knew about parenting. So I, I get that as, as I became an adult. He had his own upbringing that uh, he had to overcome a lot of things as a kid. So when, um, for the two years, I was going to Johan's house all the time and his but they actually had to move away to Saskatoon. So another two hours away. And before they left, they gave us a 1986 Ford Crown Victoria that was sitting in their yard. And it was a burgundy red car that uh, they gave to my mother so we can continue to play sports and, uh, you know, the rest of the story. So, so much uh, good came from that family. But the, the, the thing I want people to, to, to hear, they didn't give that vehicle to me. They gave it to my mother because they saw something in my mother. Mm-hmm. They saw the sacrifice because they're able to under they're able to to you know get to know my mother and and what she was doing for us. You know, leaders recognize other hardworking people who are trying to get ahead. Mm-hmm. When you get to a certain point in your life in your business, you can see you can pick out people in your organization, your family members even, and you know who's really trying their best to make things work, and they're giving everything that they can. And sometimes all they need is a little push, a little nudge. Mm-hmm. So they saw that in my mom, and that's what they they did for us. And um, it obviously, you know, it it paid off. Look at me, like I'm able to be here today with you, right? So uh, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I wouldn't say crazy, Kendall, yeah. because I'm going to say, and I'm going to ask you this question as a, with my background, resilience is something uh, that you, you emulate, right? As a young child, you must have learned certain things from your mom. And obviously you talked about a little bit about from Johan's um, family to uh, just from Johan, just that connection. Yeah. Tell me what you think the key elements are to resilience, because you're, you're a role model, a young man yeah. that I feel privileged to be around you, to see you do this out there. And you're speaking to other people yeah. out there that have had similar backgrounds and they, yeah. they think I'm not good enough. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Um, you know, nobody cares about me all those things yeah the first the first step is is you have to do a mental shift in your mindset uh you have to go from stop playing the victim to to taking control of wherever it is that you can presently take control in your life and for myself i i I played that victim card for a long time where i i thought that you know i was not meant for success i thought that uh Mm -hmm. i was going to end up like a lot of my people in my community who kind of just hung around and didn't really do a whole lot beyond that and so when you start to when you grow up in in, a, in circumstances where they're not as favorable as most people that you look up to or you, that you wish you were living like mm-hmm. um, that starts to play with your mind and condition you to to not really think big so when I started to get into sports especially sports kind of allowed me to to see the bigger picture because I would get a chance to go and be around different families so, for example, like if my if if my friends were on the same team as me, and I was always like the always first only First Nations kid on everything in my life. Mm. So that was one thing I had to overcome was getting used to being uncomfortable in a situation where I'm the minority all the time, mm-hmm. and it 
that really bothered me for so long. So when I got into business, I really wanted to, to try to create more business owners and try to help people. And we were able to do that, which is really cool. But back then, I was able to have a lot of non-Indigenous uh, family members around me. Sometimes I go to their house, you know, and I'd be like, wow, this is a beautiful house. So I was expanded by association and seeing what they did, how they interacted, what they talked about, uh, their conversations. And it expanded my mind to kind of think bigger slowly over time. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was able to get into university, my mind was already, you know, okay, maybe I can become a teacher. Maybe I can become a phys ed teacher. Mm-hmm. And then throughout university, then it, it, it manifested into maybe I can start a business. Maybe I can start this business. And then when I got the business, maybe I can actually create a really successful business. And then from there, I went to, wait, I can actually like speaking. I'm going to tell my story through this business. I mean, hey, actually, I like speaking, right? Man, you know, I, I actually want a nice home for my family, you know? And I started mm-hmm. to really develop the the vision up here of what I wanted in my life and it's still growing, right? I still, now it's like, okay, where do I want to see myself as a speaker? So the, the clearer you can get on where you want to go in your life, the clearer you can see it, you work backwards on what do I need to do to get there? And it sounds, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it honestly is, is it's, it can, it can be as simple as you want it to be. A lot of people make things complicated because they're, they're so used to be, life being complicated for them. And if you want things to be simple, it can, but you have to convince yourself up here first to make it simple. So I write my goals down every year. So every year I have three goals for uh, that I want to achieve for the year. So uh, this year I said I wanted to, uh, just a second, I wanted to have 40 paid keynote engagements. I was a few shy of that. So we we're almost hit that goal. Um, what was the next one? Hold on a second. Where was that? Uh, I wanted to make the high income earners club at caps. So that was like one of them. Cause actually in caps, I was there. That was my third year in a row. And the first year I was just a new new speaker. So I was able to make that, uh, that group, which is pretty cool. Um, and the next one was, I wanted to expand my coaching practice. So I started doing that as well this year. So, uh, those were the three goals I had for this past 2019, and we've been able to pretty much hit them. So, uh, so let's let's talk about mindset because yep. you're like I'm I'm thinking that there's a lot of kids that can relate to your experience either from First Nations. I'm from right. uh, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. I don't even know if you know that. I grew up privileged, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I grew up elsewhere where I saw everybody in authority being a different color from me from my prime minister to my president to my dentist, all that stuff. So when I came to North America as a foreign student, and when I saw how people looked at mm-hmm. well, difference, I went, wow, why can't they see yeah. that you're capable of things yeah. that I had seen, right? Because I grew up yeah. with colonialism, right? I did yeah. in the islands, but I grew up being told you can do anything you want to do. Right. So when I came here, I was like, well, why do people not think they can go to university. That's kind of why I'm here. Like, um, so for anybody listening that, you know, is indigenous or maybe foreign or not foreign, just growing up with, you know, underprivileged and that chatter in your head is I'm not good enough. I don't belong. I can't do, what did you actually do to quiet that voice and shift it to say, this is possible for me, Kendall. Uh, there was a few things, you know, one of them was I, I got tired of the, the pain of it. <laughs> the pain became too much of not, uh, 
I've always felt like I was, there were so many people that gave me an opportunity to possibly have a chance from coaches mm -hmm. to Johan's parents, uh, my own mom, my grandma. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like I was going to let them down and I didn't want to let them down. And so that, that kind of played into, okay, I, I, I need to think bigger. I need to try actually, maybe I should go to school. You know, mm -hmm. I, in, in grade 10, I never even thought of university. So my mind was so closed, right? I never thought of beyond that. And as, as like using your gift is, is, is so important. Everyone has a gift. And for me, it was sports at that time. And I used sports as a gateway to get me into, to, to, to you know, to, to play more, multiple sports. And I excelled in those sports. I played college volleyball. And that sport allowed me to build confidence in myself, to be able to be more vocal. You know, I was always the shyest kid, believe it or not, Roxanne. I was the shyest kid in the room all the time. I was like, a, that, I was like that I find hard to believe because you do I, not come across as shy. I, I, I had to do a whole shift in everything. Yes, like I'm yes. a new person, wow. but the same person at the same time with the same roots, just a different person so I can succeed out here. Right. So everything had to shift. And so the pain, the pain was a, a, a point for me where I, I wanted to just, do what I could live up to what my, what I think I can achieve with my life. Um, and then when I finally started to get momentum, it was okay. There's no one that's ever done this from my background. Like, like I have no role models. I have to be that role model. I have no choice. So it's always been tougher for me. Like it's just, that's just the way of my life's been. It's been, and I just been, you know, I embrace it now. Like, okay, if it's going to be tough, I'm going to give it everything I can. So the next person can take it further further and further and hopefully we can uh i can help more people from my background you can create that path because right. you think i'm first yeah. and i want i mean obviously you have uh two little two little girls right, right? uh boy and, and a girl yeah boy and a girl yeah. so you have you have those little ones like sponges yeah. watching daddy <laughs> and what he's doing right yeah. yeah and watching their aunt now um creating that space so for anybody listening um you started your business before you started speaking. Right. What was the kind of the thinking behind the uh, yeah. Netmaker uh, Gear um, Enterprise? Yeah. yeah. So the first company was called Nietzsche Gear. So Nietzsche is a slang form of friend in our language. So it's like friend gear. And I started that as a full-time student uh, in education. So I didn't become a teacher. And the, the, the reason I started it because I got intrigued by business plan competitions. And I, that's when they were really starting to come out in the prairies. And I was like, Hmm, I should try this out and see what happens. But I had no idea how to write a business plan. Right. So I'm a, I'm, so here's another game about mindset. Most people, when they get into my, hit the business, they think I need a business degree. I can't start a business without business training. You know, I think about, I'm thinking about going back to school. I get this all the time. I'm thinking about going back to school to get some a business degree or diploma so I can start a business. One of the biggest myths out there about business or even becoming a speaker, you know, I need to be polished or whatever. No, you get polished by doing it on the, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you grow. Mm -hmm. I was a horrible speaker when I first started. I had to grow. And uh, when we were in, in 2010, I started my first company and it was, it failed. I ran into some uh, trademark issues. I couldn't, I couldn't trademark the name and I had to close it down. 2011 comes around. I redo my business plan. I take people out for coffee. I didn't know how to write a business plan. So I sit there with a notepad and notes, how to write this business plan. I bought some software. I put the business plan on there. I presented it to all these judges. They picked me as a finalist. And when I finally got on the stage, I had to learn how to do a business pitch. I was terrified. didn't know what I was doing. So I had to do like research on Dragon's Den and Shark Tank. And I would sit there in, in classrooms later 
late at night and I practice on in an empty classroom till I finally had the confidence to step out on stage. And when I finally got there, there was one thing that separated us from everyone else. We had a unique purpose-driven story. And the purpose-driven story of how Johan impacted me and how we wanted to impact thousands of people out there through a clothing brand, it ignited something in all those judges. And we were the only one to do that. So we didn't win all those competitions, but we won money in all, mostly all of them. So we were able to take that money back at the, the about 16000 the first year we, we won. And we was able to buy clothing. I was able to buy apparel, designs, create a website. Mm. And I started to sell out of my one-bedroom apartment in Saskatoon. And from the apartment, we went to a little uh, little office. I took a little office outside my apartment because my son was born now. And, you know, we needed more mm. space in our apartment. And I was like, we were really scrambling. <laughs> and then the... From the, from the office, we took a little kiosk in the mall. So we had a little cart there. And then the cart, we took it to a, a full store in the mall. And then we had another store in a different city, a different city. Then we started to do wholesale to other retailers. Then we opened up an online store and we were selling uh, Canada-wide and to North America and so on. And then I got into speaking. And uh, wow. so, so speaking was a result of me starting Nietzsche Gear. And uh, that was, again, another journey by itself. And it led us here. So... So you know how to build businesses. You've yes. Taught, you've taught yourself yeah. how to build. So you built Nietzsche Gear, and now you've um, you, you you've built your your speaking business. Right. So I would say that you didn't need an MBA to be able to do that. No, you, you got to be driven. Yeah, that's the that's the word back there, right? You have right. to be. First off, you have to make a decision. The decision is the hardest part for some people. The reason why most people don't live up to their expectation or their potential is because they haven't given 100% to that decision that they should make. They go half in, half foot in, half foot out. And if you're going to do that, then you're only going to get maximum 50% of your potential into that idea. So let's pretend you wanted to start a project and maybe you wanted to start your own business or a nonprofit, whatever it might be. And you do it as a little side gig for a while. You know, you put a little bit of effort here over the years, and but it doesn't really go to where you expect. You get discouraged, right? Well, you're discouraged because you haven't given every all your energy. You're too busy mm-hmm. doing project A, B, C, D, and E, E, and F. When I got into all my businesses, there was one thing that made it successful. I had to commit everything I had in my energy to every business I started, from Nietzsche gear to every store to the speaking business, to writing this book, to creating this coaching company, and every other project in between, I'm 100% laser focused into it. All my energy is into it. So if it fails, and hopefully it doesn't, then at least I know I've given it everything I had. It's kind of like in sports. All you can do is give it everything you have. If you, if you lose, it's not the same feeling as maybe you lost, but you, you know you could have did better. That's the worst mm-hmm. feeling. So in business and in life, it's very much the same thing. Give it everything you have. What, like that's the best. That's all we can do at the end of the day. Give it everything, everything that you can. So do you have a ritual that you follow to keep laser focused? Because I'm curious about that. Because I'm, yeah. I'm going to say, and we know that, right? We have 60,000 thoughts in a day. Yeah. And a lot of them could kind of, it can sidetrack yeah. you, right? Oh, yeah. I need to go see that friend. Or, yeah. oh, I'm not going to make that prospect call. Or I'm not going to try to get on that big stage because they're going to say no. We always have detractors. How do you stay laser focused to stay stay, stay driven? Like you're, you're how do you do it? So I write a lot of things out from like personally, everyone's different for me. I like to write things out and on my wall back there, uh, you can't see it. It's kind of my own personal, I have everything that I'm focusing on in my business. 
I have my daily mantra, right? So that, 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 that reminds me of what I'm trying to achieve. I have all of my products that I'm trying to sell. So if an email comes through, I know what I'm going to pitch to that person from my speaking to my coaching, to my online series, to my online course and, 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 and all my other products. I have my four point, uh, uh, coaching question that that converts really well, so I have I have I created systems I guess for myself that allow me to to stay focused and every day that you know especially when you're on the road and you're speaking you probably know this Roxanne when you're on the road you're you're very limited to what you can accomplish unless you have an assistant which most mm -hmm. people most of us have a really hard time finding a really good one you can really only commit to one major thing every day. And you mm -hmm. focus on that one thing and it might, that might branch out to maybe two or three other things below that. But the one thing you have to stay laser focused and at least accomplish that thing. That's how you keep your momentum going every day. Cause if you mm -hmm. miss that one thing, your momentum starts to slip. So focus on the one key thing. And it, it, there's a book that I read. It's called the one thing you read that book. Yeah. It's an amazing okay. book. And it's all about staying laser focused by focusing on one thing a day and it trains your mind that you're achieving all the time and that you're getting there. You're getting there. Cause if you have three, five things on your to-do list, it's really easy to miss a couple of them. It's really okay, easy yes. to get discouraged from that too. Subconsciously you might get discouraged not even knowing that you're getting discouraged. But if mm -hmm. you're achieving that one major thing every day, you, you know, you have it written down. Okay. Today I'm going to make my, my podcast with Kendall. Right. And that's the main thing today. We're going to get going tomorrow. We're going to do uh, I'm going to make, you know, I have to send that email to that client or that's this proposal. That's the main thing I'm going to head to tomorrow you're achieving every day and that momentum starts to build and manifest over time into bigger things. So that's mm -hmm. the key. It's pretty amazing, right? Because, you know, we talk so much and most of us are split, right? We have yes. all these goals and you took one thing and you said, it sounds like this year you decided that keynoting was what you were going to do. And that's yes. all you, you did. And you accomplished, yeah. like you said, you were one or two speaking events off, which is amazing because mm. you started speaking how long ago? Uh, full-time about three years ago, roughly. Okay. Um, okay. and the, the reality is, is I didn't realize this. I've always been in the speaking business some, in some way, because when I first got into it, I was already kind of speaking at local schools, mm. but I was just trying to sell t-shirts. I wasn't getting paid ever to speak when I first started. I was just trying to, yeah, I'd love to come to your high school and speak to your, your, your youth. But you know, do you mind if I bring you know, a couple bins of my clothing and if any of the teachers want to buy some clothing for your kids, or maybe the kids have 20 bucks, they can buy a shirt. Can we do that? And sometimes I'd make a thousand bucks, 2000, you know, at per event. And I was happy with that. I was like, man, I can't believe we're crushing it. Right. This is amazing. So, um, that's how it all evolved was in 2012. I started speaking like that and I would just kind of 2015. I was like, okay, maybe there's something here in 2016. I registered my business and then, you know, there were three years. And, uh, and the rest is history. And now you're talking <laughs> some of the, on, I've seen, I often, obviously I follow you. So I see you, uh, so some of the huge stages that you've been on, which, you know, I'm, I'm right behind you there and I'm going to uh, just listen to everything, all the words of wisdom that you've given today and apply awesome. them. So, Kendall, for any young person out there um, mm -hmm. that has a dream, what, what are some words of wisdom that you could give them yeah. and something that they can apply? Let's say we're ending the year. I'm sure mm -hmm. we're all sitting down and writing our goals. Yeah. What, what words of wisdom would you give to these young people out there? The words of wisdom I would give to you is if, if you want to really achieve whatever, whatever goal that you feel that you, you want to achieve, for example, it has to be an obsession. It has to be an obsessive feeling that you have towards that, whatever path that you're going to go, you have to actually wake up and feel like you want to do it. 
-hmm. I would not be speaking if I didn't feel like I want what I was meant to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would not have started Nietzsche gear if I felt like I wasn't meant to do it. And I was, you know, everything I started, I get a rush. So it was like, I was always gravitated towards those projects. You need to develop that same, it has to be the same feeling for you. And every single successful leader I've had a chance to research and work with, it's very similar. They start things based on an obsessive desire to achieve that goal. And if you don't, that your obsession isn't there, move on to something else because there's no point trying to replicate someone else's successes because you get inspired, you get inspired, which happens a lot to a lot of people, but their emotional connection to that is not there as the other person. That's why they're not succeeding. So it's an obsession. Once you're able to, to feel that what you want to do is you want to try to find people who have achieved that already or done something similar and you research them. You buy their books. You but you go. You listen to their your YouTube videos. You listen to their podcast. When I first got into it, I was I was a sponge for all this knowledge, and I I was able to to learn how to do everything in from start to finish in the t-shirt business because of that same hunger for knowledge. So I I would I used to do my own screen printing my own apartment. That one bedroom apartment <laughs> I had a little factory going on, and I realized very quickly after two weeks of doing that what a waste of time. But at least I know what to do now. Right, right. So I was able to understand the whole process from the screens, the ink, the squeegee, the heating, the ink, why, how it doesn't crumble in the washer and dryer, everything, right? <laughs> how to design my own stuff. I played around on Photoshop and Illustrator and, and I, I was able to create our own logo, you know? And so all this stuff, even in speaking, same thing. I hired coaches. I, I bought their books. I went to their seminars. You know, we both know Jane, right? And we're both getting what? Coaching, right? Yeah. We're always learning you have to have that hunger to learn and you match it with an obsessive desire with the goal. I really believe that is one of the major things that will help get you to where you want to go in your life. Well, you're very inspiring. I, I you know, I'm, I learned so much more again, even though we've been in the same uh, arenas um, because we're, we're the, we're the students when we sit in those rooms and we, right. we, we're surrounding by amazing people that are doing amazing things and getting their messages out there. And you're an inspiration to, um, anyone that's thinking about, you can't do it. Anything's possible. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds cliche, but if, if Kendall is any representation of that, that you, it shows you that it's possible, you know, to be um, honored with this big uh, award. Um, and he is definitely one of the younger speakers in uh, the professional association. There's not a lot of young pe- younger people. Most people are pivoting into speaking generally like myself, mid-career stepping mm-hmm. into it. So it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to see him out there. So what am I taking away from Kendall? I'm taking away that um, project forward. Think about where you want to be and create that obsession. And because, and what happens is things start to fall into place. The more you just surround yourself. Um, so whether it's, I want to be the best soccer player or I want to be the best business person, Go out there, find people. We, ha- we are in the information age. You can find anybody. And Kendall could probably echo this is when people are successful, if you pick up the phone and you ask them to talk to them, it, I'm amazed how many people I've actually spoken to. They said, sure, Roxanne, I'll give you, four, you know, half an hour of my time. Right, right. Reach out, reach out get the wisdom. And, and, and that's inspiring. And then you take the steps necessary. 
So again, um, resilience is something um, that you can achieve in any given day. And you never know where the messages will come from. So follow that path. And as you know, with myself, I, I'm a mental health and wellness specialist. I talk about authenticity and leadership and mental resilience. So if you're needing me, you can connect with me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. And again, Kendall, thanks again for your time. It was, it's always a, a um, a pleasure. And maybe we can connect with your sister at some point. Cause I would love to also. Absolutely. She has an amazing story. She, she's definitely stay in touch with her. I will. I'll, I'll get her contact. Okay, everyone. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to authentic living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach to work with Roxanne. Visit RoxanneDurhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.